Welcome back to Romanticy, a podcast created by Dipsy. I'm your host, Faye Keegan. This is what we call at Dipsy a no-sex episode, so be prepared. The spice is not spicing in this one. You can skip ahead if you don't care about the plot. At Dipsy, we are storytellers, but we're also really more specifically erotic storytellers. If we're going to put out an episode in a series with no sex in it, it has to really at least hit in another way. In other words, if we are going to slow down the burn, we'd better be setting up an even better burn later on. In this episode of Wings of Winter, the slowdown comes so we can really spend some time with Rowan and sort of see Court through his eyes and better understand his family, the stakes he's up against, the pressure he's under, and hear him sort through that and also be along for the ride of his monologue as he starts to better understand and grow in his feelings toward the human. As a reminder, the rest of this whole series and many other spicy audio stories are available right now on the Dipsy app, all made by us. And you can get 30 days free by using code ROMANTICY at dipsystories.com. That's D-I-P-S-E-A-S-T-O-R-I-E-S dot com slash romanticy for 30 days free. Otherwise, you can keep listening here. We'll drop two episodes every week. So here it is, episode six of Wings of Winter. The day after the opening fire, I woke in my bedchambers with a splitting headache. The night's revelry certainly did not come without their costs. Lights streamed through the windows and the brightness hit my eyes like daggers. Good gods above. I rolled over in bed and went to cover my eyes with the sweet, relieving darkness of my pillow when there was an untimely knock at the door. It's your favorite brother, Rowan. I have no favorite brother, leave me be, I groaned. The sound of Ash's voice was the last thing I wanted to hear at that moment. But there was no dissuading him. He pounded at the door again, threatening to knock it down. I was not sure the door could take such an assault, and the pounding sound of his fist on the door was its own hell. Having him in the room could not be much worse. I groaned as I got out of bed, walked to the door and pulled it open just as his fist was about to come down on it again. What is it that you want that cannot wait? I spat. It is not I who wants you, but Father. Go to his study now, Rowan, it seems urgent. Years of training and living in the viper pit that was the royal fay court kept my features schooled. My face did not betray any emotion, but I was filled with a rush of panicked magic. Had what we did last night in the forest been found out, it had certainly not been wise to couple with you, a human, so close to the eyes of the castle and other competitors, so close to powerful eyes of my brothers, who would use any leverage they could against me to shore up their own standing. What does he want, Ash? He didn't specify, but you know, Father, he's not one to gather for good news, he said. Ash looked positively pleased to be delivering me this ominous summons. I slammed the door in his smirking face. I could not disobey my father's orders as much as I may want to. I grabbed my royal leathers from my wardrobe, throwing them on as quickly as I could. I splashed water on my face and ran my wet fingers roughly through my hair, attempting to look more like a war-ready fey lord and less like a scruffy younger brother. 
After rushing across the castle, I found myself awaiting my father in his study. How typical for him. Hurry up and wait. What a simple but effective tactic. To send word that he wanted to see me, then leave me waiting. A clear message of who was in charge here and how much he valued my time. It was always that way with him. A message within a message. When he finally did arrive, I did my best to smile politely, pretend the delay had no effect. Even if I was filled with the familiar, simmering rage that such petty games always ignited in me. My son, he nodded. Father, I replied coolly. I want to speak with you of the next challenge, he stated. Later today, the game makers will be announcing the next game, he continued. You are each to battle a magical beast. There's one chosen for each competitor. I did not say anything. I merely nodded again, and he continued on. If you so wish, my son, I could tell you of the creature you will be battling. Or better, I could press my thumb on the scale and get you one of the less vicious creatures. I assure you, some of these beasts are certain death sentences. He paused and I sat and held his gaze, saying nothing, betraying nothing. I knew there would be a price and I would wait to hear it. The fire crackled as the silence stretched between us. I only ask one thing of you in return, he said. Your alliance with the human ends today. He stroked his silver beard and looked at me expectantly. Faye had a certain amount of natural intuition about others' intentions and truths and lies. I could only sense that my father was trying to lure more information out of me. I could not intuit what he already knew. Denying the existence of any connection between us might be impossible. I did not know the extent of his knowledge, but I needed to do something to get his attention off of us. And if I kept the walls in my mind high, I could get away with lying to him. I'd done it before. I received your previous warning, Father. There is no alliance to end. We are nothing to each other. If I come to find out you are lying to me, he trailed off, not finishing a sentence. I held his gaze, unwavering in my commitment to the act. I forced myself to relax and lean casually back as if his suspicions were unwarranted. And, he continued, you'll kill her the next chance you get. I could not help but blink at that. It will be impossible at the next challenge, he mused, casually twirling his favorite dagger in his hands. All individuals will be fighting as individuals, but as the games continue, I'll make sure you have your opportunity. We cannot have a human girl out fighting the Fae. There will be no summer in the human kingdom ever. His menacing tone and casual cruelty made me more angry. It was foolish to speak back to my father, the king, but words arose in my throat like venom and I could not hold them back. Must your aid always come at a price? Why does it concern you whom I ally with in this competition? My win is to no real benefit to our people who already are warmed by the summer sun. What do you gain from the suffering you inflict? I said angrily. I should have stopped, but I didn't. 
I kept speaking my words like molten fire. As I drew breath to continue my tirade, I felt the air stop in my throat, and then I was flung backwards by my father's magic. It knocked me from my chair and held me pinned against the stone wall behind me, my feet off the floor, my wings stretched wide and pinned to the wall. He did not need to tell me to be quiet, he could freeze the words in my throat. He did not need to ask me to obey, he could force me. The message was clear. He did not need to bargain with me at all. My life was his to do with as he pleased. My father's mouth was set into an icy sneer. He stayed sitting at his desk, playing absently with a dagger as I became lightheaded with lack of breath, waiting for him to release me. On the edge of losing consciousness, he withdrew his magic and I fell to my knees before him, gasping for air. He was strangely calm. You may refuse my help, but you may not refuse my orders. Get out, he said. And if that human lives much longer, it is you who will pay the price. I wasted no time leaving his study. The days before the next challenge passed too quickly. You stood, pacing the floor of my bedchambers, flipping through an old tome on the creatures of Aurora. If I wasn't so certain that you might be torn to shreds by some kind of monster in the next game, perhaps I would have even enjoyed these moments of strategy together. But there was an unspoken truth that hung about the room that neither of us were speaking of. Without magic, it was unlikely you would survive this challenge. We were fighting the monsters individually. I'd be unable to come to your aid. And another truth that only I knew haunted my thoughts. Even if you were to survive this challenge, I had been ordered to kill you at the next one. Even if I disobeyed my father, he was not one to create strategies with single points of failure. I suspected other competitors may have received similar marching orders in exchange for information, favor, or more. But I could do nothing about that now. I had to focus on the challenge at hand and cherish the dwindling time I had with you. We spent our days poring through books on both magic and monsters. Perhaps there was some old spell that even humans could cast or a vulnerability of one of these terrifying creatures that would come in handy when you were set to battle it. When we grew too tired of reading, we would train. Drawing our swords from our scabbards and fighting until sweat dripped into our eyes, our legs shook and our hearts hammered against our ribs. And then we would sneak back into my bedchambers and make love until sleep overtook us. Hawthorne, despite her obvious distaste for you, had offered to help keep our allyship a secret. She brewed you a potion of starweed and fire nettle that would make you invisible to all other immortals but me, so we could carry on with our training without fear of being found out. I added it to my list of debts to wise witches. The night before the next challenge, you lay in my bed. You rested your head upon my chest and... I wondered if this would be the last time I had you like this, so close to me, safe and warm. You must have been thinking the same thing. How strange it was to feel so close and protective of a human. I felt an unfamiliar heat in my chest, like the warm flickers of a winter flame. 
The feeling was unfamiliar and yet pleasant. I did not dare speak it aloud, but I spoke the words that I could to you. I told you how much the flutter of your heart and the weight of your body spoke to me. I told you slowly, carefully how to touch yourself, how to touch me. One last time we tangled together, our mouths meeting in the dark, your sharp intake of breath as I entered you again, and my wings expanding and shading you from the light of the moon coming through my window. We explored and indulged in each other until the sun came up. We dressed for the challenge in near silence together. I watched you through the mirror as you pulled on your rune silks and then battle leathers. You shimmered. The invisibility potion was beginning to wear off. You put your hand on the rusted door handle and I pulled you back. What are you? You began to say. I just want to say, no matter what happens today, I'll do my best to protect you, human. I'll be fine, Rowan. You should be worried about yourself. I seem to be saving your ass much more frequently than you are saving mine. But I could tell beneath the arrogance even you didn't quite believe it. Then you pulled open the door and slipped outside it before I could say anything else. The game makers gathered us in the banquet hall. The twelve of us stood gathered in a circle as they plucked our names from a golden chalice one by one to determine the order in which we would compete against our challenge creature. My stomach fell when they read your name first. My eyes slid to my father who watched us closely. His eyes seemed triumphant and satisfied like he would get what he wanted whether I obeyed him or not. I knew before they read the rest that he was delivering me your death sentence. You were set to battle a water serpent at noon at the Royal Lake. I could not look you in the eye. I was afraid you'd see the truth in my eyes, that you had no chance, that last night was truly our last. When the game makers called my name, I barely heard them. I didn't even register what creature I was set to battle. What did it matter? You were going to die and there was nothing I could do of it. My ally, my human, your life was to be snuffed out while I stood there watching. Magic roiled in my muscles and bones, longing for somewhere to be directed, and it did not stop churning for hours. I was marched into the stands alongside the royal lake, set to watch you battle the serpent. I sat alongside the other competitors. My hands grasped along the iron railing. I waited for you to emerge from the game tent close to the shore. As I watched you, I felt my father's eyes on me. I should have veiled my fear, hidden my concern for you. It was a weakness I was exposing. But since you were to die within the hour, it mattered not what my father thought. He didn't have to wait for me to kill you. He let the serpent do it for him. The minutes ticked torturously slow. By the time the game maker's eagle cried out, marking the beginning of the challenge, my magic was a fiery liquid under my skin. But there was nothing I could do to help you now. 
You were on your own completely. Powerful, but magicless. Fierce and strong, but not strong enough. I held my breath as you exited the tent. You did not spare me a glance. You were laden with weapons. On your back, a quiver of arrows. On your thigh, a dagger fastened. And in your scabbard, the sword I had given you before the very first challenge. You walked calmly towards the rippling silver waters of the lake, even facing death. You still had an unshakable confidence, a stillness and lethalness that you had embodied since the moment I first saw you. You were the most infuriating and remarkable being I'd ever met. You stood at the ready, your hand on the hilt of your sword. The game maker's eagle cried out once more, marking the beginning of the challenge, and the silver waters began to bubble. Then a terrible creature broke through the murky surface, its large serpentine head emerging from the water and its yellow eyes opening. The royal crowd gasped and I leaned yet further forward. My magic settled in my fists and I grasped them shut so as not to do something foolish. You drew your sword as the water serpent rose to its full height. You and your weapons looked like toys in comparison to its size, and yet you stood stock still. The great beast moved across the surface of the lake towards you, and my magic nearly exploded from my hands, desperate to defend you. When it was close to the surface, it lunged towards you with fangs bared. You rolled to the left, barely missing the attack, and quickly got to your feet. It lunged again and you rolled to the right. This time it was even closer. Both dodges were lucky, but how long could you keep it up? You ran to a large boulder at the edge of the lake and took cover behind it. Pulling arrows from your quiver, you cocked your bow and set them flying. They barely stuck to the scales of the serpent and seemed to do little more than irk the fearsome thing. The crowd gasped. The elf next to me took a sip from his chalice and chuckled, as if your death battle were but entertainment. I knocked the golden cup from his hand and it clattered on the stone. He looked at me, but I could not even grant him another second of my attention. I stared straight ahead, intent to focus only on you. You were out from behind the boulder now, running across the beach towards a clearing of trees. Did you have a plan? But before you arrived in the safety of their shade, the serpent lunged again, this time pinning you to the sand. Your sword had been knocked away by the blow and the daggers you repeatedly attempted to bring down on its head skittered on the hard scales. And then it wrapped you inside its body, squeezing you until it was sure you could not breathe. You continued fighting, twisting, stabbing at its metallic scales, but the creature felt nothing of your efforts. It knew its prey was defeated. I was set to jump over the stone risers and into the battlefield with you, but as soon as I had the thought, I felt my father's magic holding me in place on the stands, pressing me down so I could not come to your rescue. My anger and magic roared, but my body was frozen in place. He did not even allow my jaw to move. I could not shout your name. But then, I felt something strange happen. 
The magic that had been set to explode seemed to be draining from my body like water from a hole in a bucket. I felt like I was deflating, weakening. This could not be my father. I did not know of any fey magic that could do this. What in the name of gods and hellfire was happening to me? Then I looked back down at you and the ring with the serpent, and it seemed you were somehow pushing back against its body to release yourself from its vice grip. Surely that would take the strength of an immortal. And then it struck me, my magic. Somehow it was flowing out from me and into you. Even the creature, unfeeling and unintelligent, not more than a brute, seemed surprised by your sudden strength. The crowd gasped when you freed yourself, then ran swiftly, more swiftly than I had ever seen you run, and grabbed for your sword. As the creature lunged to get you once again pinned to the sand, you thrusted the blade up and forward, yelling triumphantly before you'd even struck. You were so sure of your stroke. The blade plunged through the very mouth of the snake-piercing skin and bone, and the sharp tip of the fey blade I'd given emerged squarely between the serpent's eyes. You not only had immortal strength, but perfect aim. Alive. You were alive. I could barely believe it. The creature lay lifeless upon the shore, and for a moment the crowd was quiet. Even my father must have been shocked for his focus slipped and his magical grip on my released. But then all but the royal court and my father erupted into thunderous applause. Their celebration was at near feverish levels. They had just witnessed the greatest upset ever recorded in centuries of such games. Finally free, I vaulted myself up over the stone bleachers and onto the beach before I could wonder what danger it might bring. The only thing that mattered to me in that moment was reaching you and holding you safe in my arms. I sprinted across the sand, my wings piercing through my tunic and opening to their full expanse as they reached you. You smiled at me like the wild predator you were, full of strength and wonder. Secrecy and safety be damned, I pulled you into my arms, kissing you hard. For a moment I took us into the air, my lips crushing yours as we ascended in ecstasy. In that moment I did not care about the consequences, you were alive, and I loved you.